Ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary beings, welcome to another exciting episode of Cosmic Crit. This is Miles, who you better know now as that lovable Azure Earth sign character, Win of the Hexen Way. Now, before we get to see how the crew of the Phoenix's respite fared in light of crash landing their ship, I have some pretty fun news to get through first. As you know, we love using Sirenscape and different sounds on the podcast, but as much as we love those laser blasts, grenade explosions, and starship weapons, we still have a lot of holes in our soundboard. So for the month of June, we finally decided it is time to fill these gaps in and thought, what better way to improve our sound collection than with the help of our awesome creative Crittermanders? So plug in those microphones, get your vocal warm-ups going, it is time to make some noise. We're looking to shake things up when we roll a critical hit, a natural toot, or when Talara's tiny demon attacks. Now, when you submit, just try to keep your submissions to around four seconds or less. For more information on what we're looking for and how to submit, head on over to our website, CosmicCrit.com, for all the submission details. But enough about contests. I cannot stress how stoked I am for June's Cosmic Crit Patreon stream. On Saturday, June 29th, at 9 p.m. U.S. Eastern, 1 a.m. GMT, join us for Cosmic Critten Henshin Rangers. Drew will be leading the cast through Henshin, the Sentai, or Power Rangers, based storytelling RPG from Cave of Monsters Games. This is the first time Drew has ever GM'd anything, so please come check us out at twitch.tv slash cosmiccrit to support him, or watch him completely fall apart. It's really a 50-50 chance either way. Now, typically, Henshin groups come together to create their teams, but Drew got really excited over a team concept that he's keeping secret from everybody, myself and the rest of the crew included. So it's just going to be like the first episode of a brand new TV show. As you guys know, I'm a massive, massive Power Rangers fan, and I cannot wait to see what Drew's cooked up for us. This is going to be a really fun stream that you are not going to want to miss. This is the kind of stuff that we really were wanting to do when we first talked about doing Patreon streams. Okay, enough business. Get yourself ready for episode 90, Once, Once Upon, upon a, time a Time in Delesco. Episode commencing in 3, 2, 1. Episode initiated. When I'm GM, you all will surely be up against the wall. When you argue rules with me, you are of no consequence at all. What's that? I may be a paranoid person, but I'm not an android. I'm, I'm an SRO. Welcome back, kids A, B, and C, to another jigsaw falling into place. Here on Radio Crit to the Head, a.k.a. Cosmic Crit. I'm your British frontman GM, and you can call me Patrick. And I'd like a perfect body. I would like a perfect soul. But barring that... I'll settle for episode 90 of this podcast. Uh, joining me in finding out what happens if you mess with us. Why, this is what you're going to get. You get our five players and friends to my right. He's a slug-like creep and his drone is a dead weirdo. It's Tyler playing Akithi with Itis. Thanks for having me as all. To his right, Karma Police arrest this tiefling. Her demonic hairdo is making me feel ill. It's Rebecca rocking Talara. Hello. Across the digital table, he's not here. This isn't happening. But if it was, this captain wouldn't leave you high nor leave you dry. It's Miles with wind. Good evening. 
to his right, he's going to show you how to disappear completely with his stealth checks. It's Jabert bringing bumfuzzle. Hey, Patrick. And to my left, he's about to rain down. Come on and rain down some entropic strikes on me from a great height. Why, it's Drew running with Kaz. So when I was in Dublin, Ireland 15 years ago, I saw the most obscure piece of graffiti about Radiohead. It said Radiohead abused their fans and leave them out to wait in the cold. It was the only thing written on this entire wall. It was very small, probably written in Sharpie. And this is sure to get cut out, but I just want to say that's the one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in a public place uh, that, as far as graffiti is concerned. All right, I've officially been one-upped. I don't ever want to hear crap again about my... <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, Drew, how are you doing? I'm good. All right. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome back. It's been uh, these one last week. two weeks. What? It's been. Oh, <laughs> Holy Drew, cow. Drew, maybe Holy just cow. mute your microphone for like a good five minutes. <laughs> maybe take a time out and rethink things that you say and do in your life. <laughs> Jesus. Ooh, boy. Welcome back, everybody. These last two weeks of episodes have been some of the most exciting, frustrating, and ultimately the, the most exhausting sessions of Starfinder I think we've played since this game has come out. I, I would probably agree with that. We've had a couple sessions that, that I think might have been up there, but the, these these two back-to-back were, they were strenuous. I mean, it for me... It's the same level as the the wall fight on board the Empire of Bones, the <laughs> the capstone for the entire Dead Suns campaign uh, was on equal level to this boss and starship combat from book one of this AP. The, the most challenging starship combat we've ever had right after one of the most challenging fights we've ever had, which was two episodes after another one of the most challenging fights we've ever had. Yeah, I I, I, w- I would agree with that. There, there have been times where I, I yelled, I quit this podcast, and I wasn't entirely kidding. <laughs> I mean, you, you have one of the biggest bads I think you guys have fought in this campaign, in this fight with Lieutenant Sharu, um, a trained elite Aslanti Aeon Guard, and you all are just a bunch of slobs rolled in from outer space. Um, yeah, Tyler, you spoke with the authors and, and the developers of this adventure path at PaizoCon, and yeah. they, they said that someone is likely to die in this AP. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, those who, you know, I talked about the end of book one a little bit and how it was really, you know, it was just very dangerous and we barely made it out. And I just kind of got that look and it, it, the look was a little bit like, oh, oh, you barely made it out of that fight. Well, then you're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't feel great about our chances anymore. Yeah, they always say that, though. They said we wouldn't make it off. Did of they? Yox, they I, said. I, 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 I don't remember being told that we would never make it out of Eox. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Eox is pretty bad. That first book of Dead Sun's pretty, pretty TPK worthy in some parts. But yeah, you guys have been on the bubble on that fence multiple times. But I don't think ever as close as these last couple of episodes uh, in Lieutenant Sharu fight when both Bumfuzzle and Kaz went down. I was like, I guess I'm killing everyone tonight. It's been like running a marathon. It's like we haven't been able to stop and take a breath. And it's it's really hurt us. I mean, well, 
out of spells for a boss fight was horrendous and really frustrating as a spellcaster. Imagine your characters like beaten, bloodied, down to a single hit point coming out of the Royal Venture and then having to race across the planet, jump in your ship, strap yourself in, like blood still caked on your your armor and your faces and and whatnot, and having to go on and and take on the the Barazad in spaceship combat. Like, what, what would have happened if someone had died in that Sharu fight and you still had to, like, trudge on? It was just the four of you. Yeah. Can you imagine that fight with just one gunner or no oh, engineer man. or no captain? Well, based uh, on how one of the gunners was rolling, I think I can't imagine <laughs> what that fight would have been like. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, the only time I felt, honestly, as, uh, as close to the possibility of TPKing as I did in these last couple episodes was possibly when we were on the drift rock, the drift rock initially. Yeah, drift rock was pretty rough. <laughs> well, just because we, we had had the 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 assassin uh, the, the fight with uh, Clara, and then we go into the you know the, the actual drift fight and fight that giant monster that no one could hit, and there were there's yeah the the drift dead the the void zombies in there. Um, I do remember you guys took out that robot like within a turn. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the robot we had no problem with because <laughs> well, you were you were visibly angry about that. Well, it's funny. It's like some fights you go in and you're like, oh, well, this is going to be fairly easy for them. And, you know, just the way the rules go, it turns into like an epic battle. Um, I didn't think the Atlante zombies were going to give you guys a lot of trouble. But, um, you know, uh, because you had just come off this fight with the Electrovores, uh, that was really bad. And then the reverse was true. I thought when you uh, happened upon the three soldiers in the destroyed uh, loading bay, I thought that was going to be really hard. But you guys like ran up and got them in melee ranged and just kind of negated a lot of their their positions and, and ranged weapons. And, and speaking of the dice, I mean, I just I want to say it again because it is one of the most amazing things that has ever happened in one of our fights. Rebecca's crit with that one particular crit oh, yeah. success card oh yeah well that, well like i said it's uh, a one in 20 chance to roll a natural 20 on the attack and then there's 52 cards like in this deck that's the critical hit deck so you do the math but i'm pretty sure it's like one in a thousand or yeah it was pure miracle yeah, no, and, and I, then, I think without without that crit we probably would have tpk'd well, but then you also add in jabert's crit right after that and that is just mm. Wow. Special makes up for all them crit fails. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> We're alive, aren't we? For now. Yeah. It was uh it was very fun at at uh speaking of TPKs and deaths, there was a lot of really fun stuff at PaizoCon when the Starfinders would do the delve they would run people through the beginner box and it, every uh they had a flip mat out and whenever they killed someone they would put a little smiley sticker down on the square that they died in. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty so great. By th- so by the end of the day, you would see this flip mat that had, you know, two dozen smiley stickers on it. You're just like, <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty fun. Alrighty, we can't we can't dwell on the past too long because this episode's all about looking towards the future. Uh, as this is officially going to be the start of book two of Against the Aeon Throne, we got a. F- a full episode ahead of us, folks. So let's start fresh by finding out what exactly did happen uh, last time on Cosmic Crit. As soon as the Phoenix's respite launches into space, it is threatened by the Atlantis ship Barazad, initiating a grueling dogfight between the two vessels. During the battle, the Phoenix's respite takes a bunch of grueling hits. 
And despite Nikithi's efforts to increase the power to the shields, the Phoenix of Respites just keeps taking hit after hit after hit. Bumfuzzle aggressively maneuvered the starship, but our gunners Kaz and Talara struggled to damage the enemy ship. As the Phoenix's respite passed its final critical threshold, it seemed all hope was lost. Though, Bumfuzzle brings the Phoenix's respite in for one last pass, and Kaz and Talara take those Aslanti goons down. The battle is over, but the conflict is not. Hit by a massive shockwave from the exploding Barazad, the crew desperately try to hold the ship together as it came crashing down onto Nakondis. Uh, can, I, can I make a little edit to that one? The uh, uh, Some of the crew tried to hold the ship together. Uh, one person didn't. We all passed our checks, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You really did pass that in injecting yourself with your own serum and not contributing <laughs> to the goals of the crew. I forgot about that. <laughs> you, you selfish pile of, of rarfin. I still uh, made a roll and I still passed the check, so. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't he a check. Out. Yeah, he, uh, he, I think, what, you did perception? Yeah, I did perception to find us a landing zone. So yeah. sorry. I made some homebrew rules there in case the worst happened and you guys had lost that battle. Um, and I'm very excited when you ended the combat immediately next to the self-destructing Barazad. Uh, but you survived. I made some I made some very lethal crash landing rules because a spaceship crashing down to a planet should be potentially lethal, but also should be, uh, you know, one of those really intense scenes in a movie, uh, much like the beginning of um, Pitch Black, if you've ever seen that. Super exciting and, and, and scary at the same time. Or that time when Captain Sully landed that plane in the Hudson. <laughs> that was pretty good, too. <laughs> yeah, roll for bird strike. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, but that that is last time on the show. This week's episode starts out... A little calmer <laughs> as we find ourselves in the forests of Nakondists. Nakondists. Far off birds and hobgars call out into the expansive wilds and the mists roll through the treetops and, and disperse as rains kind of bathing this section of the trees from on high. Uh, everything is extremely damp. The ground, the tree trunks, mosses here just explode in growth as the the downpour feeds them and through this haze a sound resonates it is the sound of very heavy footfalls on the soft ground wet meaty paws slapping the earth and we see win captain win emerge from the trees carrying a large sword on his on his back as well as using a trident perhaps as a a walking stick miles win is flanked by about a dozen hobgars who at times try to climb up and ride on your shoulder or like hang on to your legs as you're moving through <laughs> you're like i don't know 50 times heavier than them <laughs> right you're, they're like uh trying to bring down the colossus <laughs> uh but yeah they at this point seem to regard you as one of uh, their own you've kind of just like integrated into the nakondas ecosystem uh, you've been spending some time in the woods here since the crash. Um, I guess the Hobgars, that yeah, they just kind of realize that one, you cannot be stopped, and two, you might not pose no threat to them. Um, as they've, you know, like I said, uh, they, they kind of see you as a, a fellow kind of a wild animal. Yeah, and you guys both have blue fur, so you got that going for you. <laughs> yeah, we match. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. the biggest Hobgar they've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, it's, it's like those I things. I am that, king of the Hobgars. They don't really have natural predators. Um, um, they're kind of like the top of a very small ecosystem, so they, they have no fear of you. Um, and this is this is a dumb question, uh, Patrick. This is a general uh, geology question for the area. Is is that true of like the entire area? Is that they're the kind of the, the largest possible predatory animal there is? I mean, you've spent a lot of time, at least in this section of the the forest, kind of uh, in the the locus around Madelon's Landing, and you haven't seen many predators on the planet. So it's a fairly balanced ecosystem, but for the most part. Um, yeah, the, the the forest is kind of the the, the top of the ecosystem itself. The bear, the woods. <laughs> All right, so I'm, I'm hobbling through with the the hobgars. Hobbling hobgars, yeah. And it's been it's been some weeks since your climactic battle above Nakondis. Sometime since you sifted through the wreckage of the uh, the phoenix's respite, everyone got pulled out uh, alive, one piece. And sometime since Madelon's landing has sought to heal itself um, from the the invasion, the occupation of the Islanti, uh, restoring you know hopefully some some bits of the colony to what it was before, at least a, a remnant. Uh, they're they're purging all sides of the Islanti uh, in that time. But yeah, when you've been spending more and more of your time in the forest. You feel perhaps the powers, the connection to nature growing with every long hike that you take. Though technically you have a mission out here, but I still imagine that doesn't stop you from enjoying yourself, enjoying the, the hikes. Uh, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm Wynn probably would have felt <clears throat> a little dejected from, I think, what, what Wynn would consider a loss. Like, even though they, they, didn't, hmm. they defeated... Uh, the Barazad, the, the ship was still destroyed. They still crash-landed. So for Win, yeah, it may have been a Pyrrhic victory, but that's still a loss to him. And so I think connecting to the the nature around there, he's it's almost an isolation, uh, kind of a self-exile. Hmm. I mean, the team did pull through the adventure as, you know, horrific as it was seeing Kaz and Bumfuzzle fall in, in battle and having to, uh, you know, make peace with that crash landing could have been the end for everyone. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there, there's still something uh, as much as you've celebrated and, you know, thought back on it these last two weeks, I, I can imagine because you were so close to losing at least one of your crew might still, um, might still sting. But I mean, you still kind of have because Windows Sedona is still out there somewhere and, and there have been no future attempts by the Islanti to, to come back to Medellin's Landing? No, no. I mean, not, not in, in this time, but you know out here in the vast, it could take weeks before knowledge gets back to wherever these Islanti were from and then sending out more people. But yeah, um, you, you guys have been trying to you know make plans for that. And you're... you're uh, I imagine Wynn might be worried because whatever the next plan you guys put out there, probably going to be more dangerous than the last. Uh, you, at the very least, had the element of surprise with freeing the occupation of Madelon's Landing. But the next mission, yeah, you're, you're going to be taking the four other crew members into a pretty dangerous situation. You think Wynn is, is ready to do that again? I, th I think so. He's I think he's a little hesitant, but I think having having spent so much time in what he would consider a healing process mm. with 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 the planet and with the Hobgars and kind of um, aligning himself with a, a nature again, I, I think that he's he's 
attuned himself over the last few weeks. Yeah, all those physical wounds have healed themselves naturally in that time. Um, you, you could do some magical healing uh, since since then. But when was close to dead too, right? Oh yeah, he had one hit point left. Yeah, not <laughs> not a situation that. Uh, I mean, most of the people on the team have have been there, but it's not a great feeling. No. Um, <laughs> anyway, as you are out walking, uh, taking this hike. Something catches your attention at the corner of your eye, and right away you can tell this is an unnatural object in this world of green and brown and, and white mist. Uh, it's metallic and faintly blinking with a, a small red light, and as you approach it, you know immediately what this is. It's exactly what you've been looking for, uh, what you've been scouring this forest for. It is the transponder beacon from the wreckage of the Barazad. Oh. You can scoop it up, and uh, I have one of the hop guards do it for me. <laughs> it takes like 10 of them to like lift it. <laughs> you might have to make a survival check to train them. <laughs> okay. To uh, King Tut your uh, <laughs> your bag with you. Just, just for... <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how this, this goes. Just for fun. Yeah. Oh, no. It's a 10. Ten on the dice. Sadly, sadly, they scamper away. But you can, you can. I'll pick it up up. (laughs) Um, and make your way back in whatever fashion you want towards Madelon's Landing, where we're going to cut back to now, and we see some minor construction happening here. Um, Though before the invasion, it was a very common occurrence. As this is still, you know, a colony that is being built. It, <laughs> it was fairly small when you guys got here, but there are some more buildings as the, the supplies that you transported. You know, there was a lot of uh, basics that they were missing, some poly cement grav platforms. And now business is booming again in Madelon's Landing. The, the colony did lose some people to the Aslanti. So they're all hands on deck here now. Um, one, repairing the damages and, and two, building up some some more some more houses some more things like that um and they're also dividing time to to help you all um bringing repairs to the the phoenix's respite bringing it back into to working order these two weeks since your your crash landings you, you guys have had some time in this downtime to to help out the town or to do something for yourself personally. Uh, let's talk about what you what you guys have been up to now that we're we're jumping ahead some time. Uh, Nikithi, what's Tyler, our Asharun friend, doing? Mm. Yeah, Nikithi has a few things on his agenda, but first and foremost, he would spend a few days seeing to the recovery and also the upgrades of Idis, his mm. his drone. Uh, when we last left her, she had been. Uh, damaged, you know, heavily damaged, uh, put out a commission, and then she went through that crash, which I'm sure she sustained even more damage from that. So he has a pretty long road uh, of not just, you know, getting her back up into working condition, but also to upgrade her her systems. Yeah, what's the so process at- like for a, a drone mechanic if your your drone dies? Yeah, it's it takes it takes like it takes it basically takes an entire day just to to rebuild. 
mm. you know, what I would what I would consider just rebuild its core components. And uh, you know, you can also, whenever you level up, you can remake your drone uh, from scratch. Mm -hmm. So you can change out its chassis or any oh. of its other uh, integrated parts. Uh, but uh, Idis is uh, Idis is a little special because she has those, um, you know, those that biotech built into her as well. So I I always think of her as being a little bit more uh, complex than some of the the other drones and he's also wanting to you know look at upgrades and analyze some uh some combat data mm -hmm. and so i think maybe after two or two or three days of tinkering you know he might uh try and bring her back online and you know he'd probably get pretty choked up about it he'd start talking to her again you know saying things like uh you know, welcome back, Idis. You have been out for a long time, but do not worry. I will make you all better. And uh, Idis might, you know, chirp or make a few sounds, and he would just be having this long conversation where he's like, "Yes, yes, uh, Talara is just fine. So is the <laughs> and he'd be something like, so is the rest of the crew. If you wanted to know." <laughs> and then I, I just maybe makes a little snorting sound and he's like, yes, yes, even Kaz is fine. And, Nikithi's uh, talking to himself. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. <laughs> Nikithi's just talking to himself, which is really just Idis as he's, you know, kind of repairing her up and uh, getting, ready, getting her ready to field test some of the upgrades. Mm. Um, I mean, you might have pushed this out of your mind if, if Idis is in the, the forefront, but uh, before the the fight with the Barazad, you and Ibretta did find a, a photo on Lieutenant Sharu's data pad. You know, a moment we kind of glossed over yes. uh, because you, you guys are on your way to a life or death fight. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's yes. a photo of Lieutenant Sharu, who you saw just briefly before she passed away on the, the bridge of the Royal Venture with Kaz. I mean, it, it's very clearly him like a different haircut there there might be some some differences like maybe it's like a a, a thinner looking gas but they they look to be a couple going through the the data pad you find a, a few more pictures and it seems like this relationship was from a few years ago but tyler nikithi knows that Kaz is aslanti born and a member of at some point of the military structure but this photo what do you think is going on in nikithi's mind I mean, it it, it it troubles him greatly. Uh, I think a lot more troubles him is Ibretta's knowledge of the photo's existence as well. Yeah, uh, she's been you know, steering pretty clear of you. <laughs> yeah, and he, it's definitely on his agenda to go talk to her. I think he's, I think in his head, he's trying to figure out how he can silence her, but, you know, not kill her, obviously. <laughs> Jeez, so, <laughs> um, because... Yeah, it's and, obvious. You you didn't have to say that. No one was thinking about <laughs> killing her except you, oh, Okay. Well, I mean, it would be the easy way. Uh, so... <laughs> this is the so, campaign takes a dark turn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but he's he's also just mad because, you know, he when when he first discovered, when he first saw the tattoo on, on Kaz's back, you know, he kind of believed Kaz that, you know, he doesn't really remember. But more and more evidence is mounting that, you know, maybe even if Kaz doesn't remember, you know, maybe he's a sleeper agent. Maybe, I mean, there's just so many things he doesn't know that he just sees Kaz as like more and more and more of a uh, liability to the entire group. Drew, uh, Drew, are you a sleeper agent? It's entrapment if you don't tell me. Yeah. <laughs> you got to tell me if you're an Atlante dude. Dude, I'm not an Atlante dude. Come on, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he's I think his paranoia is reaching uh new new heights um <laughs> be, be, because of that. 
what what else is uh, Nikiti up to? Uh, well, I think I think he's going to have a, a visitor during this time. Maybe Rebecca. Yeah. <laughs> Dur- during what time? Uh, while while uh, Nikiti is kind of putting the uh, finishing touches on uh, Idis's upgrade before she becomes you know fully functional again, and he's kind of, I imagine him in. Uh, Kind of having made maybe a makeshift engineering bay out uh, outside of the ship or on like the outskirts of Madelon's landing, whichever is like you know more appropriate. Yeah, I mean, it's coming back together. Um, we'll, we'll talk about this a, a little bit more, but after you can, f- you know, fix it uh, about a week into these two weeks, you guys can limp the Phoenix's respite back to Madelon's landing, and yeah, they they park it just north of the graveyard in town uh, that they, they clear a space in, in this time and uh, christen it uh, Phoenix station after, after your ship. Oh, so you can you find some space outside or work on the ship. And we, you know, it's misty uh, afternoon and we see Talara moving through the, the fog up to uh, Keithy and Idis. What what's happening here? Yeah, so uh, Talara is going to uh, go and see how um, Nikithi and Idis are doing. Um, she's a bit uh, concerned about them. Um, so hey, a slugger, how's how's Idis doing? She is almost ready for some field testing. I have upgraded her long range capabilities and melee capabilities, but I have yet to test the systems. Ah, well, perfect timing. You want to go on an excursion with me? I need to find some gems to imbue with some spells. Uh, Nikithi kind of looks at her for a second, maybe gives her, he's just kind of pausing and uh, he kind of maybe gestures over to a, uh, some stools or whatever and he says before that why don't we sit down for a second and he goes over and he kind of sits on a he kind of sits next to a stool or like maybe pulls one up next to Idis while she sits there in low power mode and says uh, tell me Talara what do you think about Kaz uh, I don't know I can't really read him he talks a big game but did you see him up against the sh- uh, that Sharu lady it was like he was holding back and then he was on the guns like I was shooting better than him Yes, our poor friend Kaz seems to have a difficult time fighting Aslanti. I I do wonder myself if he hasn't been holding back a little bit. What do you mean? You think he's got ties to the Aslanti? It is not so much a question of do I think he has ties to the Aslanti. I know he has ties to the Aslanti. What do you mean? Back when we were first infiltrating Madelon's Landing and Kaz had to change his armor, his, I saw a tattoo, a mark on his back for the Vanguard Scouting Corps of the Aslanti. You know, I noticed something weird on that ship. That AI seemed awfully happy to see him. I mean, surely that kind of programming is reserved only for Aslanti, right? You are correct. I did not mention it at the time, but that is exactly why that AI was receptive to us. It's Kaz's Aslanti heritage. Yeah, and he seemed awfully shady about those eyes of his. He must be hiding something. I think you're onto something. We better keep an eye on him. I don't know what he's playing at, but just in case. And Talara digs in her backpack and pulls out a, a, a pair of binders and looks meaningfully at Nikithi. I agree, but let us keep this in our own confidence. But we should keep an eye out on Kaz. I do not know what is going on, and he claims he has no memories of his Aslanti background, but it is only a matter of time before his background comes to haunt us. <laughs> I think that's wise. 
Well, speaking of uh, subterfuge and, and Cold War games you guys are playing, uh, what, what else is Talara doing in this time, Rebecca? Uh, like I say, she's going to be going out um, looking for some gems to imbue with some spells. Um, running out of spells in that last boss fight, I think she's a little uh, gun shy. That's not quite the right word. Uh, about running <laughs> Spell, <out> of- shy. <laughs> Spell shy. Spell um, shy. So she's going to be a little bit more prepared, um, have some more summons and um, maybe a few other spells up her sleeve. So spell gems, uh, something that you can uh uh, craft yourself up to the level of what of your your mysticism and, and of course spells that you can can cast would, would this take up the majority of your time do you, do you think talaro would i mean besides nikithi be interacting with many other people in these two weeks um probably not she's a bit of a loner <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a, the crew of loners <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, it really that, is. <laughs> that's yeah. fine. Yeah, I mean, you you have a lot of time, you know, to, I mean, after you craft those things, you can oversee the, the ship's repairs along with um, Nikithian, I'm sure, Bumfuzzle. But um, uh, speaking of repaired ships, one of the things that was on Nikithi's list was to head back to the Royal Venture and try and work on the ship, uh, the onboard ship's computer to try and dig out as much information from it as he possibly could. It seems that that is what Lieutenant Sharu was doing there and spent multiple days doing was completely dismantling the computer next to the captain's chair on the bridge. And yeah, it'll take Nikithi some time to put it back together, but it was disassembled in such a way that it was very clearly marked what goes where because it seemed like it was being taken apart for transports. Ah, um, uh, there, there's some indeed some data files that back this information up um, on on her data pad. You know, like uh, kind of like you do if you're doing a very um, difficult project, you take photos and, and notes of of something as you're dismantling it. But when you get it back together, it does seem like there are some files you can can gain access to from uh, Perept uh, Amondria, the owner of the vessel, the Royal Venture. And there is some data that is salvageable here on the rune drive itself. You get some self-diagnostics from the, the device, energy consumption data, it's through the roof, stretch indicators, things like that. Um, it would have been very valuable if the Star Empire was able to get this to their scientists, put it into their, their laboratories. What does Nikithi do with it once you find it? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I think he would be... So one of the things he hasn't really shared with everybody is that, you know, he was able to hack into that uh, that data pad that had the Aeon Stone embedded in it, and he learned mm-hmm. where they were taking the rune drive, but he wasn't really familiar with sure. the, the name of the area, so I think he's looking for any more information on the rune drive, maybe information on this place. I think it was called Galta. So the, uh, the data pad from... Um, Amandria is the one that had the Aeon Stone kind of inside of it. So that's ancient. And that was a lot of uh, data that we explained that was like explaining what this vessel was, what the rune drive was. The data for where Sedona was taken was on Lieutenant Sharu's just like level one or two data pad. Okay. Um, That was the one that Ibretta helped you unlock. So she's, she's aware of it as well. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, Golta, and you can work with other other folks in the the colony and in cross reference notes, figuring out what that is. Uh, let's move on to to Kaz, Drew. What's 
What is our sleeper agent as Lanty Spy doing? So perfectly innocent Kaz <laughs> uh, has been helping out the community more than anybody else. Uh, <laughs> you monsters. <laughs> Inspiring that- behind his back and he's like, you know, <laughs> teaching orphans how to read. Uh, in addition to teaching orphans how to read, he has been also helping the the some of the members of the the Madelon's Landing community learn how to fight because they they're mm. they're colonists. They they have been uh, attacked by Islanti and they were kind of cut down pretty quickly by the Islanti and 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 put under guard and all of that. And uh, though he he can't help them shoot and use some of the weapons that they've recovered from the the Islanti garrison he has been able to to teach them some some basic hand-to-hand combat maneuvers uh, and, uh-huh. and teach them how to how to potentially get in close and, and fight obviously he can't give them vanguard abilities or anything like that but at least uh, teach them and in 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 turn uh, he has been doing what he does as a tempered pilgrim learning about some of the culture of of the community he's been learning about abadar and what the the beliefs of of, of the people who uh, in this community have been and and learning about abadar and what what that's all about as well mm-hmm. as learning some languages there's there's a, a number of members of of the Lashuntan population that he's learned Lashunta from and and a few Sheeran that he's learned Sheeran from as part of uh, this. Oh boy, learning all up and down here. Yeah, there there actually is a uh, a school for like the ten or twelve kind of like younger inhabitants of Madelon's Landing, like a single schoolhouse. His name escapes me, but it is actually in the AP. So. <laughs> uh, I forget what it's called. Um, the Gold Walker. Key School, of course. The Gold Key, which is a a reference to Abadar and the it yeah the the teacher's a uh, a human guy named uh, Halesk Varden he's happy to teach you about Abadaran faith uh, he is also you know pretty devout uh, disciple of of Madelon um, was willing to travel across the galaxy and and he'll help you learn languages and uh, you know ask you to come by and, and talk to the kids um, do you want to make me a uh, do you have profession soldier or anything along those lines I don't have profession. any profession skills I do not um, why, why don't you make me a culture check and, and see how successful you are in, in relating some of your, your fighting techniques, some of your, your languages to the, the townsfolk. That's an eight. <laughs> yeah, no, unfortunately. Uh, wow, what a, what a great role there, Kaz. Good they're, they're happy to have you. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's sort of like a smile the entire time. Yeah, it's sort of like a motivational speaker that it's like, it, they, they, it's like, oh, yeah, that's great. That's great. But it's like not great advice. <laughs> yeah. Kaz lives in a van down by Nikithi. <laughs> <laughs> down, <laughs> down by the Phoenix's respite. Great, great. Yeah, is there anything else Wynn would be doing in this time besides hiking about in, in the woods? Um, I mean, before you you, you mentioned the, the communication problem, I, I, I think that Wynn would be helping Kaz kind of train the people how to fight. Oh, oh so you, you step in on some sessions and you're like, uh, this, is how to, this is how to handle a trident, a magical trident that you find in the ruins of Crash Spaceship. You know, when that comes up. Yeah, and I also think that, like, in his spare time, he also might be trying to help people kind of better their relationship with the neighboring wildlife, specifically the Hopgars. Mm. If you had to uh, 
attribute a skill to to doing something like that would you say survival <laughs> i i guess i mean it wouldn't be culture what about uh life science i'll allow you to, yeah roll either of those whichever whichever you'd like to to help out these Madelonians. <laughs> um go for survival it's an 11 mm. Yeah, so they 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 follow you into the woods and you know you know point out what they gather from from nature, but uh, <laughs> as soon as you'd be like, "Hobgards are your friends," they're like, "Nah, they're jerks." Oh, they uh, um, you know as, as soon as they try and and you know feed them or like have them come over <laughs> and uh, coexist, uh, I don't know. They, the hobgards just like sense their fear and jump on their backs and start shocking them. No. Yeah, not everybody can be attuned with nature. Some of us like to to burn down forests. Um let, let's go last to to Bumfuzzle. Um Jabert, what's what's our favorite goblin doing as the the Phoenix's respite slowly being worked on over this time and better than ever as it's along with being repaired, uh, it's being upgraded. You get some of the the tech elements from the the down Barazad. Yeah, um, Bum Puzzle's definitely helping out with some of the upgrades and getting the repairs. Uh, you know, uh, he'd like to get the Phoenix's Respite. Um, maybe it should be renamed to Phoenix's Phoenix Rising at this point. <laughs> Since it's coming up out of the, the, the ashes of its crater that it left <laughs> on Nakondas. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah, definitely going to try to uh, work with Nikithi and... Um, uh, try to rebuild that as quickly as possible. Right. Um, but before it is sort of back to operational, um, Bumfuzzle uh, is going to scavenge some parts from the uh, from the Phoenix's respite, some communications equipment, and some uh, some sort of key elements out of the drift drive. Mm. And um, um, it's going to try. Being, to... It's not being used right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, it's not in use, so it's like it's fine. I can just borrow these, and I'm uh, going to smuggle those back to Weldus's bathroom. And um... <laughs> all all roads lead back to the Arquin <laughs> right. bathtub. Right. And uh, and uh, as I'm as I'm going in there, I uh, I sort of poke my head out and I say, "Don't come! Don't come in! I'm doing personal things." And then I shut the door and I I put like a rubber band on it. Mm. I imagine that these things don't have great locks, but you know, I'm going to mm. try to keep it closed. Um, so anyway, so I get work, I get to work on that and I'm going to try to rig up a situation so that I can uh, try to communicate, but like into the drift. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, I haven't, it's been a little while since I was able to uh, get a, a transmission back to Alluvion and uh, and one. Uh, uh, it's been you know a few days since I was able to get a, a transmission back, so I'm, I think they're about due for an for an update. Yeah, it's been some time. And so the update reads: Special report from Adjunct Bumfuzzle to Elder and One. Developments from last transmission: As Lanty threat on the Condus has been temporarily temporarily eliminated. No, res- no information on future Aslanti designs for Colony. Aslanti seem to have found what they were looking for and believe the subject has insight into its function or design. We arrived too late to prevent the, desi- the, to prevent the device's removal. Mission update. The subject has been taken off planet. I repeat, the subject has been taken off planet. I- I'm sorry, Antoine. 
Ship sustained heavy damage defending colony from bombardment. Repairs will be extensive, but are possible. May take multiple weeks. Have a lead on possible subject destination. Planet identified as Gulta. Coordinates attached. We'll discern disposition of subject. If they live, we'll attempt extraction. Otherwise, we'll render remains. Give Caddy Wampus my best. For the 19, over and out. Awesome. That will get there in, what, 5d6 days? Some, yeah, yeah, some it's, crazy amount of time. Yeah, they might they might like get them out of order, but it's important for me to keep them updated mm-hmm. you know, as I'm going. Yeah, it's interesting. Take on the, the last, I guess, month or so since you guys have been uh, traveling out here and now waiting after breaking the occupation of, of Nakondas. It, it time passes pretty slowly these last few weeks. Um, there, there's no real crazy excitement. You have time to rest, your wounds to heal. Um, every scrape and, and cut and bullet wound you got from Lieutenant Sharu and, and her her soldiers, um, they've all healed over, either magically or, or uh, just normally. And only the scars and uh, the faint memory of those fights are, are in your forefront of your minds now. Um, th- this night that we're adventuring uh, upon and, and find you all, uh, you guys are invited to a meal with the the main citizens of, of Madelon Casey's uh, Church of Abadar. Um, the colonists, you know, kind of bring what they can from their small gardens, their synth food supplies, and make like a, a small potluck. Uh, this night, you see Weldis um, helping his mom, Corsica Arquin, uh, through the the door and she's now up on crutches able to move around by herself um, as you guys are breaking bread you see Gariah Lee and, and Faina Ayani sharing glances at one another kind of feeding one another rolls Jellic and I Breta are there of course and they've moved back in with one another into her compound in the north town but uh, he is the first to tell you that he is still on the couch uh, at least for the time being he says until he learns not to be such a danged fool is read his words and yeah, yeah that sounds like jellic's words his own <laughs> uh but yeah it's as you guys are, are eating that when you walk back in to to made on kessie's place and you're holding the transponder everyone there kind of knows what that is and, and what it means for you and your crew. So afterwards, you guys can all go back to the former garrison, which has been painted this like sky blue color and a sign hangs over the entrance in common that reads community center. And its center uh, is still the war room of sorts where there are all these holographic displays and computers that have been rewired for, for packed worlds kind of usage. Um, And, Mayor Madelon starts the meeting by saying, well, first off, I want to thank you all once more for what you've done for this colony. You you risked your lives, your your ship, and most importantly, your livelihoods in in helping free us from the Aslanti. Abadar Corps thanks you profusely, and I have put in a good word for you all as transporters of the highest marks. You can expect several contracts for you when you make your way back to packed space. Of course, if you so choose to do so, Captain Wynn. Thank you. Oh, well, we knew that once your ship was repaired and, and you found this transponder, you might be off on your next adventure. <sighs> we just hoped we'd have more time with you all. Um, I, I've put a call into Avatar Core HQ, and they're sending the Skyfire Legion to guard this planet. 
and and safeguard the investment from further Atlante aggression. So there will be no need to worry about us. That is a great relief. While we would love to stay here longer, we have to find Sedona. Ibretta, like as you say that, is like typing on a keyboard and the holographic computers start buzzing. There's some some notes and, and space calculations, kind of words floating in the air between you all. Calculations for, for drift travel, things like that. And she says, well, we've been analyzing all the files you, you took off the Islanti, everything that uh, Nikithia has interpreted from their, their data pads, and trying to figure out where this Gulta place is and well, what exactly it is. From the projected time of Sedona's capture to her arrival, it puts Gulta somewhere in the Islanti Empire. We think the NIST system, the holographic display uh, of a sun and, and several orbits kind of fills the room above your heads as she types in some more things on the keyboard. Uh, we are unaware of a, of a planetoid named Golta. You know, it's nothing in our, our data banks, but uh, from the flight data, we believe it to be a, a small moon. And, and reading through some of the other Aslanti soldiers' correspondences, uh, you think it was a maybe a privately owned moon? A prison moon? Well, if they have taken Sedona to a prison, that is unfortunate. It will make her extraction even more difficult. It will also make the the our ability to obtain the rune drive information exponentially harder. I mean, we all love Sedona, but I mean, she might already be dead for all we know. It's been it's been a while. I, I don't think they keep prisoners alive for long in the Empire. <laughs> At least uh, I'd never heard of anyone getting out of the Star Empire alive. When she says this, her eyes kind of light on Kaz, and then pointedly she looks at you, Nikithi, and there's a pregnant pause in the conversation. Well, uh, some people I have known have been able to be smuggled out of the Empire, and the Empire will keep those they deem worthy as slaves for use. It is possible they have found a function for her. Jellic kind of butts in and is like, well, well, that ain't sound good at all. Uh, I mean, you, you all can install this dang transponder beacon into the Phoenix's respite and They'll ping you as an Atlante ship. Might fool them from afar, but you get within visuals or scanning range, and this beacon ain't going to be worth fleeing. The Atlante catch you running through their system with stolen plates. They're going to blow you out of the sky. We have to try. The situation may be dire, but I think I speak for all all of us when I say that we owe Sedona that much. Madelon kind of, uh, you know, agrees, maybe claps you on the, uh, the back win and, and says, well, I just want you all to think upon these things. These are grave matters. And regardless, we will try and help you get ready for your journey. We do not have much in the way of non-perishable foods, but we will give you what we can spare. If you're going inside the, the Empire, well, I hope Abadar blesses your journey and gives you the god's speed and luck. I thank you. We will need all that we can get. It's a pretty quiet rest of the evening after your meeting concludes. You guys can go back to the the starship's um, crew quarters or bathtubs, wherever you're sleeping these days. Um, I guess outside. <laughs> yeah, if you want to sleep under the stars, it's you know, it's uh, it's very damp, but it is very cool and clear. Is there anything you guys want to do that night? Um, maybe before you're you're getting ready to leave? I'm just going to make sure that I reinstalled the communications equipment. <laughs> Put the drift uh, drive back together. It'd be <laughs> awkward. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, I forgot to turn it. Oh, it's just this one little... Oh, I... 
No, there's no reason I know why this is broken. <laughs> Chewy, punch it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> For some reason, it's going to take us seven D100 days to get there. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> it's a know, lot I mean, of dice. I, I, am, I imagine Wim would spend his last night definitely out in the woods with the Hobgars because, I mean, it's a, a full circle for him because, you know, before he, he was fighting these things and, and even mercilessly killed one of them that tried to escape. And now he has found a kinship in these creatures and he knows he's going back out into the drift where <laughs> he doesn't have this connection. Yeah, you, you want to just like capture a troop of them and, and set them loose in the engineering bay? Um, all right, all right. Let's. Sorry, I forgot I was going to make that noise. Yeah. <laughs> we all wanted to do it. Do it in Discord. Just <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Um, I, I, I don't think taking random Hobgars, I mean, Bumfuzzle has the baby one, which I don't think Wynn knows about. <laughs> I um, don't think anyone knows about. Which, so. which I mean, maybe he'll he'll sniff him out eventually, but uh, so regardless, I, I think that he's going to spend his last night kind of, kind of trying to, to commune with nature. His, his power feels uh, the highest when he's um, kind of connected to an Earth uh, or a Terran uh, ecosystem. Planet. Yes. Yes. And so he's he's going to try to to spend the last night just kind of maintaining that as much as he can before they leave. Anyone else? You don't have to say anything. This is just if you want to. But Nikithi would probably try and hunt down Ibretta. No idea if he finds, but <laughs> or if if she wants to be found. Yeah. Do, do you go yeah. go to her workshop? Uh. Yeah. Yeah. I think Nikithi would probably after the meeting. Uh, dissipates. He doesn't want to just, you know, head right to her because that would be maybe a little suspicious. So he might give it some time and then eventually, you know, wander over there. What do you do? I, he would, you know, walk up to the front and, you know, maybe knock on the door. Uh, and if uh, he doesn't get a response, maybe try the door. It is indeed locked. Uh, I don't think he would. I don't think he would break into her house. So. Uh, Burn it down? Is that an option? <laughs> <laughs> Kill her yeah, to keep her Yeah, away. I mean, I just has a plasma weapon now, so I guess we just burn him, burn everything to the ground. Just lock all yeah. the windows. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, at this point, if she's not at home, uh, he would probably just wander around Maida Lawns uh, trying to find her. Really? Yeah, you're, you're pretty sure. I mean, it's it's late at night by the time you get there that she is, she is home. <laughs> but uh, oh. maybe she's not answering. Okay, well. He can't force the conversation, and uh, seeing as they're about to leave soon, I think he'd probably just resign himself to like, well, she hasn't said anything, so maybe that is, uh, maybe it's best to leave well enough alone, and mm. just kind of grabs Itis and heads back to the heads back to the Phoenix's respite. It is a beautiful morning the next day. Uh, the the sun is just piercing all the the fog clouds. Uh, it's pretty warm by the time you guys wake up uh, with the, the sunrise. But when, as you're you're outside, uh, you hear a very familiar sound, one we haven't heard since the beginning of this campaign, which is Jellic Folson running through the, the mist, uh, looking out of breath. And uh, <laughs> as, as he races over to you in the ship, uh, he says, where's the big news? We need your help. <laughs> What's the problem? Well, we just got a uh, comms transmission uh, on an old channel, uh, one we haven't used in months. We, we triangulated it, and uh, we think it's coming from the Delesco settlement. <gasps> you don't say. 
He, invi- he invites sorry, himself. Sorry, sorry. That's, a, that's a terrible reaction. Try to give a seemingly genuine shocked reaction to actually significant news, you Scooby-Doo villain. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. I got it, 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 I got it. Oh, God. Oh, wow, that's <laughs> Don't blow out the microphone. <gasps> oh. Okay, calm down, calm down. <laughs> You're too hot, Jabert, as always. Scorching us. Sorry about that. Okay. Sorry. sorry. Take, take two. I'm using take one, so you can take as many as you want. <laughs> no, no, Patrick, so no. Uh, I love you, don't say. I like it a lot, so keep it. He invites himself on board your starship a few minutes later as you guys can uh, gather together on the bridge of the Phoenix's respite. Jellic dials into your communications array. Uh, which for some reason is uh, dialed into like drift channels, <laughs> and he's like, "Well, this is this is hard to get back on," uh, but goes back to terrestrial channels, and uh, he's like, gets you get quiet, hunker down, and you hear very faint music coming through the ship's speakers. Very soft sounds; they sound very distant, but undoubtedly a musical arrangement all the same. Do any of us recognize that musical arrangement? No, just kind of like a sickly sweet, um, you know, a few chords or maybe a few tinkles of a piano keys. We we do not have time for some wandering spirit or lost legend in Delesco. We need to get going. Did Gorelli's cousins come back? Uh, yeah, they they actually have in this time the um the the B tap uh folks that were were out in the the, the mountain ranges but um okay yeah, sweet so just a quick bombardment on our way out of the atmosphere and we're good to go <laughs> bombardment of the planet uh <laughs> the Delesco settlement yeah so this scoot on out oh well that's an awful idea <laughs> uh, he, uh uh Jellica's is just flabbergasted uh, he leans back in one of the chairs and is like oh, we never found any of the bodies uh I led an expedition out that way and we searched for days. <clears throat> All them colonists up and vanished overnight, seems. There are signs of something happening there. A struggle, maybe. There's some broke windows, knocked over items. No blood, though. No bodies. And food was still left on the tables. There ain't nothing there but that that pale yellow flower. He snaps out of his, his reverie as he's remembering Delesco and says, well, what, what if... What if someone was alive and, and hurt? And, and this is them trying to communicate with us. And, and, and well, we need your help. We, if we take the, the respite, go investigate, we can get there a lot faster than this in the ship than, than by hover track. Uh, and especially if someone's hurt, we need to transport them back to Matalons. I, I think Nikithi would go up to Jellic and say, I, I know that you want to find someone alive, but there is no way that a sole survivor was, would use the means of music to communicate their living status. This could is this is probably nothing more than a evil spirit, a undead trying to tempt people back into a place that is corrupted. You must understand this. I mean, I, I don't know about any of that. All, all I know is, I mean, there's a chance, right? There is always a chance. I mean, I, I know you all have done a lot for us, but I feel like if someone is is back there, this this one's on me. We we, we missed them if 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 they were still alive. Well, do you know me? I'm always down to help out a colonist in need. Uh, yeah. So Jellica's 
is uh, looking for some help here. You guys ready for Side Quest City? I suppose so. If you say no, then there is no episode. It just it's <laughs> to be continued. So <laughs> all right, well then no. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's. Yeah, uh, Sedona can wait. I mean, she'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, there, there still are some. You know, they're they're getting items and stuff ready for your your journey. So you're not ready to take off yet. But uh, if you guys do agree, it's only a quarter hour later between warming up the ship, rushing over the fog-laced forest, and finding another landing spot out east before, you know, you guys are out on the ground again. Jellic has his commune out and is looking at a, a map. It looks like a survey map of the, the area. He studies it intently and then points back towards the west, back the way you came from, and it's like, we flew over her, uh, overshot a bit. Uh, it's this way. As you guys walk through, he says, I, I ain't been back here since, well, we left mo- most everything in place, uh, including their comms gear, in case someone showed back up. But it's it's been dead silent for near half a year. That's not a good sign. I know, I know it might be nothing, but we, we got to check it out. Uh, as you all crest uh, a hill, the sun is shining over your shoulders and uh, the small fog choked glen resting between the these forested hills is kind of illuminated for you you see some very similar looking shipping containers um down below um you know buildings like those in madelon's landing uh, as well as simple wood log cabins and, and huts but the thing that kind of makes you perk up is you see smoke billowing from the chimneys some of these buildings and even this far away when your bear's nose can smell food cooking mm. Jellic is oh, oh, sorry <laughs> don't you dare uh, <laughs> Jellic is gobsmacked his shock turns to a smile and he he slaps his knee and says someone is alive down there he starts sprinting down the hill and Keith he would probably call out to him he's like <clears throat> he would say Jellic you fool slow down you're going to get all of us killed are yeah, guys... Talara, Talara casts infinite worlds in front of him to slow him down so that he'll stop. Oh, another callback <laughs> to uh, the, the first Jellic episode. <laughs> it's like yeah, he... don't make me call on the Jello world again. Get the Jello off me! <laughs> <laughs> they call me old Jello Jellic. I don't like it. Um, yeah, you guys can walk in together. As you walk into the center of town, you see what looks like a community garden. There's some space where vegetable stalks are growing about five feet tall. It seems well-kept, well-cultivated. And at the center of this garden, you see a very odd and out-of-place flower. It's got a, a thick green stalk and grows eight feet tall. At its tip is a two-foot-wide, pale yellow flower. The town is silent as you're, you're walking in, and the fog rolls in thick here. One thing that when perhaps confuses you is you don't even hear the calls of, of Hobcars, uh, an ever-present background noise in Madelon's landing. That is absence and it's complete silence. What do you all want to do? Can Nikithi make some sort of life science check on the flower? Do you want to walk up to it? Is that what you're saying you do? Wait, wait. Before, I'm going to hold Nikithi back. I'm going to grab him by the shoulder and hold him back. <laughs> Stop poking like, everything, Nikithi. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch it. Uh, I'd like to cast uh, detect magic on, on the what? flower. Oh, so you across the garden. You'd like to get within what sixty feet of it or so? Yeah, sixty feet. Walking what? forward. 
Might I recommend mm-hmm. activating environmental protections on our suits before we get too close to this flower? <laughs> Jelk's like, you all wearing your, your space suits? <laughs> That's oh, awesome. always. Wait, you're not wearing a space suit? He's got like greasy overalls and stuff on. <laughs> oh no, Jellic, go back to the ship. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, but no, as you move forward and you start casting it, you do detect some magical auras. And as you do, out from the, the gardens, um, out from the obscuring leaves and stalks, a humanoid figure steps forward. And as he kind of breaches past the 30 foot mark of our very opaque mist and, and fog here. You recognize it not to be a human, but a callow, uh, a male callow in, in long flowing robes, carrying a staff in one hand. And they are aquatic creatures. Uh, so you see that he has a, a helmet that is filled with liquid. Uh, I'm going to take us there on the map and show you show you exactly what the scene is kind of looking like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll say Stardew Valley. <laughs> it is it's like a nice little agrarian town. And this is what the, the callow looks like. Ooh, some nice little steaks and tates art. Yes, it is. From our good friend Seth, who also did your character's artwork. So it's all in universe. <laughs> I, I love I love the way this character looks though. It's a really, really cool design. Yep, yep. So wearing wearing this uh this cool helmet, got the staff, and he uh walks out from the the stalks and you see emblazoned on his his fine robes uh, right on his chest is very fine embroidery and it depicts a yellow flower on it and he says greetings friends how are you all ah uh, greetings greetings we are uh, we come to investigate what with the smoke and and uh, musical transmissions and whatnot the people of Madeline's landing are very are concerned for their friends. And Jellic steps forward and it's like, well, Bumfuzz, what? Uh, is that you, Mima Hook? Uh, what What happened here? Uh, the, the callow figure says, Correct. But allow me to introduce myself to your friends. I am Mima Hook Tideweaver. Welcome to Delesco. Thank you. J- Jellic is like, what? Where have you been? What's happened? Where'd everyone go? He fires off like a dozen questions in rapid succession. Looks very flustered. And and Mima Hook says, Friend, I do not know of what you speak. We are all right here, as we always have been. And as he says this, you guys can immediately start to hear sounds elsewhere in the town through the fog. Uh, Sounds of, you know, people talking. Colonists begin walking out of buildings. You can see their forms through the mist and... If you walk over to the town center around you all, while others just seem to be going about their business, you see women washing clothes, putting them on a line. A couple of men seem to be building a brick wall. And several of them, you notice, are wearing the same flower sigil on their clothing, kind of stitched in. And this happens all at once. It's like, you know, action. And the town just comes to life. Jellic, very confused. (laughs) He finds a nearby crate and just kind of staggers to it and, and collapses. This is what I was speaking about. Nothing but haunts and the dead. I don't know what you mean. We are quite alive, I can assure you, if you would like to check. Uh, Patrick, do we do we by chance know 
what their their yellow flower symbol might mean. I mean, you can you can take a look at the giant yellow flower growing in the the center of the town and right. But I mean, I, mean, I didn't know if it had like any any sort of like religious significance or if there was a deity or or anything that was referencing to. Not not that you you know of exactly. Okay. Uh, Mima Hook says uh, we we are quite well here. I I do not know what troubles you all. You act as if we have alarmed you. For that, we apologize. It is not our intent. Hmm. No harm, no foul. Let's go. <laughs> uh, maybe now Nakithi grabs, <laughs> tries to grab Win, just dragging it behind him. But uh, he says, uh, but we, I, we, that, that, that joke was Win was leaving. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Stay here. He's like, Win, Win, do not be no. so hasty. Our, our, our host here is trying to be as gracious as possible. We would welcome you to our settlement, though we have embraced a peaceful way of living. You see, there is no conflict here, no need for your weapons, for example. We carry none ourselves. Tell me, why have you made no contact to the other colony? We had troubles in our past, certainly, and recently have heard gunfire in the valleys to the west of us. It seems that it is you all in Madelon's Landing who are unwell. We feared for their well-being, but as I said, we are peaceful here now. We are glad to find out you are okay. Madelon's Landing was taken over by the Aslanti. They could have used your aid. They were lucky that we happened to crash here. As I said... We are no longer willing to raise arms against any. What caused your turn? He kind of just lightly strokes the embroidered flower on his robe and then like points back to the flower in the the center of town and says, It is quite lovely, isn't it? A rare breed we did not think perhaps could exist in the soil. We thought the flower so fine that we would fashion it into a symbol of our settlement. It represents our core beliefs. Would you like me to show you it? You will only show us cowardice for your action. I mean, Mima Hook is just kind of like beckoning you. He he moves some of the stalks uh, aside and says, Come, I will show you our flower, our savior. We do not bite. Like I said, you all are armed and we are not. So what do you have to fear? Would would Win recognize the the flower at all? I mean, now that you guys, uh, if you, if you do move up like within uh, thirty feet or so where we got you on the map, it is. I mean, it is very unusual. It's unusually large. Um, why don't you give me a life science check? Say twenty. Oh wait, that's uh, fourteen. <laughs> Sorry, everyone was rolling, so I, I just saw what's on the screen. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say, Nikiti's trying to stealth in his life science now at this point. Are you within 30 feet too, Tyler? Yeah, because uh, Nikiti straight up just wants to yoink that flower. Okay, well, it's massive. It probably has some pretty big roots, but as you... Wow. Uh, okay, Nikiti's going to want Wynn to yoink that flower. <laughs> as you get closer to it, yeah, it just... it. I mean, it just seems like a, a massive flower, although you see like little bits and pieces of it that look, I don't know, not not super well. <laughs> Maybe like there's some kind of infection along the, the stalk. Um, are, are you going like straight up to to look at it next to? Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, Nikithi would start uh, just, you know, talking out loud. He's like, well, besides its, its obvious large size, which is peculiar for a flower of its type, this this unhealthy portion along the stalk is most intriguing. I will take a sample. And he kind of goes over to it. You know, Idis brings over maybe a little kit and uh, he might start to try and take a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you do, Mimahook obviously grabs your creepy tendriled hand and says, That is not something that would please us for you to do, friend. Oh, oh, but you already said that you do not lift arms against anyone anymore, so this will not be a problem. <laughs> There's like a tense silence that's broken as Jellic like kind of stands up in the, in the back of you. <laughs> it's like, well, hold on a minute. What, what are y'all talking about? Flowers. This don't make a lick of sense. What, what, where's Tanya Hellspar? Uh, where's your leader? What's what's happened to everyone here? Mimo kind of like lets go of your arm and gives you like a little pat on the shoulder. Nikithi, and you're, you're up here now. As he does, uh, he, he moves back and, and says, Oh, oh, Tanya is here. Um, Come on out, Tania. Through the mist, led by another colonist, uh, steps a woman with a, a very large blindfold over her eyes. She looks kind of weak, a little sickly, as opposed to the rest of the colonists here that look completely fine. If anyone is a ghost, it is this woman, for she is as pale as a sheet. Human woman, kind of like hair, looks like it's falling out in clumps. And Mima Hook says, Poor, poor Tania here had a rough patch. She was unable to see the glory of our flower when we first arrived, and, well, now she sees nothing at all. What caused her blindness? Who cares what caused her blindness? I don't like this one one bit. Jellica just is, like, he's getting angry now. Uh, You you haven't really seen him super steamed, but he's, you can see a little bit of fear, a little bit of anger. He's like, well... Who are y'all, you people? What are, what have you done with the Delesco settlers? What when this ain't right? These people they seem to be off their rocker. They, they ain't who they was. That- I already told you, Jellic. The Delesco settlement and the, all of its people are gone. This person, this now blind woman, is probably all that remains of them. Whoever these things are in front of us now, they are nothing more than probably spirits, haunts, undead. I mean, he felt pretty <laughs> alive when he grabbed your arm a moment ago. Oh, sure, but so, yeah, the undead feel pretty... I, I mean, we got attacked <laughs> by zombies. They felt pretty alive, too. That's a good point. <laughs> um, might be a dum-dum. As uh, Jellic moves right up into Mimahook's face and says, You sick son of a doof. You seem to be toying with us. You talk to a street. Talk, you dang fish-eared sack of flame. Poor Jellic. We cannot tell you what has happened. We can only show you. He touches the the back of Jellic's head, and all at once, Jellic just falls to the ground, convulsing, shaking. Good, good. You too, Jellic, will see our lights, the beauty that exists here. What did you do to him? Bring Uh, him back. (laughs) I mean, it's only like a a moment, and Jellic stands up straight and looks very peaceful, very calm. Smiling slightly, and you see a massive vines and leaves like glued to the back of his neck. To his right, Tania, this very sickly looking woman, takes the blindfold off, and her eyes are gone. What exists in their place are two small budding flowers growing out of her ocular cavities. And Mimahook says, We will not let them escape. No, no, no. They will warn the others. 
We must have them as well, but this isn't a fair fight. There are too many of you. Yes, too many. Let us even the odds. It's just then that the ground beneath you all begins to quake and rumble as dust clouds erupt, roots poking through the surface, and a great cavity, a massive chasm in the earth opens up. The sinkhole, and I need everyone to make a reflex save. Yay! Does I just need to make a reflex save too? Um, she's going off of yours, so good luck. Fucking prom! What is my deal tonight? Yeah, Drew, keep rolling those uh, sub-five rolls. All right, Nikithi's got a 20. And Wynn rolled a natural 20. Nice. Mm-mm-mm. Spirits, plant zombies, they're very close. I was close. Uh, no, yeah, you were actually no, you were as wrong, wrong as you way could wrong. be. You kept throwing out that theory. And was like, well, that's what he believed. I mean, well, he was filling in the gaps. <laughs> uh, Tyler, he- he was dismissive of he was dismissive of this from the beginning. I mean, it's what. It- okay, we've got the reflex rolls here. Our two highest, Nakithi and Win. Uh, you two kind of jump out of the way, climb over roots. Uh, I don't know if Nakithi is just like holding on to Idis as you uh, move away from <laughs> from the hole. And unfortunately, Kaz, Talara, and Bumfuzzle, you all are swallowed up into the darkness, dirt and dust kind of caking your 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 face everything is black for a moment but uh as soon as you're it feels like you're falling through the earth a moment later you hit bottom roll out and all light closes in above you from from the settlement and you find yourself in a very damp dank cave in darkness and i need everyone to roll initiative i don't know if (laughs) that was made uh super evident, but bad stuff's gonna happen here. Yay. Wasted my natural 20 on initiative. Oh, it's never a waste. You're going, you're going close to first. Be slow. Natural three. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Rut roll. <laughs> Alrighty, so as you can see, Wynn and Nikithi stuck up here, the entire town seems to encircle you all. <laughs> but uh, it looks like the only ones kind of moving towards you are Jellic Folson and this, this eyeless woman who seems to be able to track your movement completely. It's these two figures here in the, the middle, as well as sweet, sweet Mima Hook Tideweaver. Uh, that is side A of this combat. Side B is down here in this dark cave. Uh, you all move forward as it looks like Talara Bumfuzzle. You look out ahead. There is a massive, what seems like a uh, plant creature growing from the the bottom of this cave. You see stalks, what look like these ovoid things growing under uh, fronds. Looks like it is completely infected with some kind of fungus covering its entire being. And this is what this thing looks like. Whoop. Is this this fun guy? (laughs) No. He's got like barbs and and leaves. And you You say he's a a fun guy. He looks more like a plant to me. Oh, And it's got roots and vines kind of reaching up towards the town, and it slowly lets these branches down, and it kind of just turns in your direction. Uh, we're in combat, and we we got a we got a little bit of split in the party going on here. Uh, Talara, you are first. You, you roll out down here on the bottom and can pick yourself up. Uh, but this is what you see across 
uh, in this cave is this pretty wicked, large, like 20 foot tall uh, plant creature. Yeah, I don't know much about life science, but I'm pretty sure the plants aren't supposed to, you know, move in this way. They, <laughs> they like use mysticism or something to try to figure out what could possibly be uh, animating this. Um, you know what? I'm gonna allow you to do it okay. for a very specific reason. Twenty-three. You uh, perhaps you're <laughs> uh, feeling some of the same mystical energy that you did when you detected magic on the the plant and the the vines in the center, but you can tell that this plant is somehow magically infused. And with that, you have heard of things like this known as spores of Thora, which exist in in several places across the universe, but is a a magical plant entity that indeed does have does have a mind of its own. Okay, so it's it's a type of creature. It's not like someone created this. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. They're they're borderline living, you know, thinking sentient creatures, but they are, you know, magical monsters that were at some point probably um, uh, not not natural, but yeah, like magically came into being. Okay. Um. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, With with that, you get to know that it does indeed have mystic magic abilities and plant immunities. uh, You're you're pretty sure as it is also a plant. Anything else you would like to know about it? Uh, Can you tell me what plant immunities are? Uh, Yes, of course. Yeah, it's um, immune to mind affecting, paralysis, poison, polymorphs, sleep, and stunning. Okay. Mm. Uh, Not bleed, which is interesting enough, but... Um, what would you like to do, Rebecca? Um, I'm actually gonna use one of my new spells. Oh boy. Oh, here we go. The level three is coming out. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to move up a bit mm-hmm. and use overheat. Okay. Because I'm pretty sure plants burn really easily. You're about 15 foot away. What's the range on overheat? 15 feet. <laughs> okay, so you're just tagging the the edge, scoring the leaves on the side. Uh, what what happens with this spell? I deal two d eight fire damage to creatures and objects in in the area. Yes, but uh, from like a magical instance, the the rest of the room goes like ice cold as you just like kind of suck all the the heat out of it and just force it through through your hands and I, I'm guessing in like a, a wave of radiating red heat. Yes. Uh, Although yes. I, I suspect being underground, surely I can draw from the heat of inside the planet or something like that. <laughs> You're summoning lava, lava magma <laughs> to, right. to hit this guy. So is it going to reflect save? Uh, it does for half. Not its best. But let's soup. I've rolled a 19. So it is its best Very save well. today. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, Roll okay. that damage. All right, so it would normally do t- uh, 10 damage. So with the reflex save, it will take half of that for five. Ooh. Yes, uh, <laughs> average, average half damage on our first overheat. Uh, next in the turn order is Kaz. Kaz is going to run right up onto the left side of this giant plant oh, monster. I'm I'm sorry. You're what? <laughs> You're running? Uh, well, walk, uh, moving. Uh, let me <laughs> let me rephrase. Excuse me. Uh, you are in pitch blackness, and last time I checked, you do not have dark vision, sir. Oh, pronk. 
<laughs> Couldn't get those eyeballs put in. Uh, so, I mean, you can, if, if you want to spend some time, pull out uh, the equivalent of a flashlight to try and be able to, to see ahead, but uh, it, it might take most everything you have just to, uh, you know, fumble your way over to this creature. So I can't hear it and think and, and kind of figure out where it is based on its giant size. If a tree falls in a cave, is can Kaz hear it? No, it just sounds like uh, the main thing. Rebecca, uh, a Talara character, burning something for oh, for a moment. Well, she just burned it with a lot of fire. Do it? Can I? Can I not get a, an image of it with that? It's not a flamethrower. It is. Uh, what's the name of the spell? Overheat. Overheat. Yes. The thermal wave. It is not fire. Good. Good to know. No light. Uh, produced by that, except perhaps maybe some infrared. But if, if you want to pull out, uh, I mean, basic comm units will have your your little teeny handy dandy flashlights. <laughs> yeah, t- turn on my my phone's flashlight t- to find something. Yeah, I'll it's, le- <laughs> it's legitimately a thing, but it will take your entire turn just to find this guy. Can I still move to it, or is it just to find it? Uh, you can. Yep, move up to it. And it does not get an attack of opportunity because it has not gone in the initiative turn order yet. You guys surprised this beast. Uh, but it's so funny. The people that fell down the hole are the top three in our initiative turn order because Bum Puzzle's next. Yay. I right. think in my head of Bum Puzzle. Yeah. Uh, win has a nice. Oh, yeah. Oh. <sighs> win. Who needs a win? Next in the turn order is Win up top. We're switching combat. Right. So uh, Win obviously is <laughs> pretty perturbed and feels like the the head honcho is responsible. Uh, he's still a little bit um, about there's about five foot block between the two of them, but he's gonna uh, basically jab at him with his trident. Just okay, ten foot reach. Pulling the trident out and and stabbing at uh, Mima Hook Tideweaver. That is a 17 to hit. Uh, That is a hit. For eight points of damage. AAC. Okay. Tide Weavers. So you you sink the trident into him and he looks up at you and is like, we must stop them. Stop the blue bear first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's go back downstairs to Bumfuzzle, who, uh, yeah, you can see this beast very well with your dark vision. You're only about 30 feet away or so. Uh, what you got, Chipper? Um, I'm going to run around to the side of this thing, and I've got all this extra movement now. I can run 40, or I can walk uh, 45 feet. <laughs> There's so much room for, move action. for movement activities. <laughs> exactly. So much room for move actions. Operative. Uh, and so I'm going to move right on up on this guy, and as I'm going, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to uh, uh, stick my stick my knife blade through this little rotary motor, and I hold up a little uh, hold up a little stick with a trigger on it, and it's it's just like a it's like a weed whacker, and I'm just gonna weed whack this fool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a small toy motor, <laughs> right? <laughs> the weed whacker, weed whacker, no weed whacker in Sirenscape. Dang it, Javert. <laughs> oh no, that's only a 21 on my wait, no, a 25 on my engineering check. 25 is just enough. Ooh, okay, mm. here we go. <laughs> All right, so that's good. He's uh, tricked. You so tricked he's, him. he's tricked. He's flanked. And now he's going to get ganked. Uh, only a 15 versus flat-footed KAC 
flanked? Uh, it is indeed flanked, and that is indeed a hit. Yeah, nice! Baby. Nice! So yeah. that's going to be 11 points of damage. 11. Okay. All right. So points on... Joint points on the board. You're cutting the shrubbery, given <laughs> given it some what for, and giving it a haircut. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You guys, uh, boy, oh boy, uh, you can both make attacks of opportunity because it like kind of uproots itself and starts moving around this cave, this giant plant. Um, so attacks of opportunity as you are flanking. Can I ask a question about that? Uh, yep. Because I also took the feat to step up. So do I get to take an attack of opportunity and step up, or can I just step up as part of that? Uh, step up is your reaction, so you cannot do both, I think. Yeah, if you have an extra reaction a day as a vanguard, you potentially could do both. But oh, no. Uh, don't you have that as a vanguard? As I, do, vanguard. I do. That is that is a the, the new reactive uh, capability. I, I just yeah. don't know if I I think step oh, actually to step up only for attacks or uh, guarded steps, yeah. five foot steps. Well, yeah, you can you can five foot over um, in the direction this guy is going. He's moving south right next to Talara. Um, but in the uh, the meantime, um, you, you still both get your attacks of opportunity. So go ahead and make them attacks. Ooh, uh, 24 is the attack. Yeah, that's a hit. Yeah. Uh, does it count flanking uh, for this? It does. Uh, so it's a 13. That is a miss. Yeah. Fortunately. Oh, so pronking well. Yeah, well, maybe you have more than a flashlight. <laughs> you don't see this thing move. Uh, what's that damage? Um, bump puzzle. Uh, four points of damage. Okay, okay. Some more on the board. It moves over to, to Lara, but it doesn't seem to be indeed um, focusing on her. It's going to focus on a bum fuzzle. Uh, bum fuzzle, can you make me a will save? No. Yeah, please. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I will. I will. But, please do. But I, but I don't want to. Seventeen. Oh, jeez, Louise. DC seventeen. Oh, this. Oh save. no. Wow. Nice. Nice. Second, second level spell, which would have made this combat a lot easier for me. Uh, <laughs> we are back topside, as it is Nikithi's turn. Uh, you see Wynn fighting these this group in the middle. Between you and in Mima Hook Tideweaver stands Jellic, who's staring at you, kind of creepily smiling in this this sightless woman, Tania. Uh, Nikiti looks at Idis and he, she just kind of says, well, I think all of my hypotheses are very wrong. <laughs> and uh, he, can I make, what kind of check can I make? Because basically Nikiti's trying to figure out if he should even attack these people because are these just like innocent people? Are they already dead? Are they alive and maybe possibly capable of being saved? Yeah, you can see this thing on the, the back of Jellic's neck. So give me a life science or mysticism. I'll allow both because this is a magical plant-like creature. I will take life science. It is as my better. Uh, <laughs> okay. Maybe. Yep. Roll the natural 20 on that, which means it's a 32. Oh, yeah. The spores of Thor. You know it well. It is a, a mind-affecting plant that indeed does have uh, several ways that it kind of influences flora and fauna around it, just kind of taking it over and... It seems like it has the ability to command these people through these little pods. It uh, it nests into their neck. <sighs> but so yeah, they they seem alive to you. Just here, you're taking a look, and you're pretty sure Jellic is alive still, okay. under its control. 
Nikiti snaps maybe at Wynn and just says, Wynn, make sure you do not kill these people. I believe they can be saved. Try and knock them out nicely. And, oh boy, he's going to have Idis move in between himself and Jellic. And, boy, I guess we're just going to try and knock everybody out. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Idis just kind of takes one of uh, her tendrils and just tries to smack Jellic in the face. So, this will be non-lethal. So, it's going to be a minus four. Okay. Uh, uh, oh, natural one. Oh, <laughs> natural one. Uh, natural yeah. one and it is it is still a, a critical fumble even though it, i mean his armor class is only uh his case he's only eight right now as he's flat-footed uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, tyler six do you want to spend your re-roll already <laughs> your book to re-roll oh my drew uh, no, <laughs> hey hey i i I did it in the second episode of the book. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Tyler, Tyler, Tyler. Do you uh, want to yes, go sir. with the the Paizo deck or our own critical fumble deck? Uh, last time I rolled a natural one uh, was actually when I was with non-standard action and I took a fan critical fail and it did not do me any good. So I'm going to go with the official deck. Yeah, didn't you almost kill one of their cast? I members? literally impaled one of the other cast members with a spear, or with a with the spear of fate. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, almost killed them. Uh, yes. Watch our good friends, non-standard action, as Tyler messes up their game in episode six, <laughs> <laughs> the crossover episode. Um, this is a kinetic attack, yes. and oh boy, uh, this is called cracked handle. Your weapon gains the unwieldy special weapon property. And changing grips is a standard action. You don't really change grips for her. But until it is repaired with a successful engineering check. So you can only take a single attack and has the unwieldy quality for her claws. Great way to start book two. Um, Anything that Nikiti wants to do? Boy, I can't do non-lethal with a pistol, can I? Uh, You can try and wing them. <laughs> I'm trying to wing him for non-lethal. Well, can, g- can you roll oh. the engineering check to fix Idis at that point, Patrick? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just a, a standard action. Standard action? Then let's do it. Let's just try to get that right out of the way. Negate this critical fail. Uh, how about ooh, 14? Or four? No, no. Skill checks have a DC of 15 plus one and a half the level of the uh, attack. Nice try. So I don't think that's going to do it. Um, that's my oh. turn. Okay, um, Mimahook Tideweaver um, is, yeah, and the minions, um, this this woman with no eyes, flowers, little buds is going to come up to Nikithi, going to try and slam into him with his weak, sickly arms, and I think is still able, what is your, your KAC? 14. Just enough, I rolled a 12. <laughs> um... Uh, for two points of non-lethal damage, they're going to take you down, I'm sure. And the same thing is going to Itis from Jellic Volson, once friend and ally. It rolls the team, so maybe he's still on your team. Yay! <laughs> I always believed in you, Jellic. He, he misses badly. Um, Mima Hook, on the other hand, is going to guard a step forward to win, uh, get right within the trident's kind of uh, range, and is going to touch your furry hide. Can win, please make me a reflex save. Oh, dokie. Win if you become a plant monster. Oh, wait, no. I'm gonna be um, so sad. I, f- I forgot how this spell works. You don't get a reflex. Save. 
Oh. <laughs> As he touches your hide, let's see if he connects. Attack against EAC. What is your EAC these days, Miles? My EAC is 16. Uh, 13 on the dice is going to be a hit. Uh, another spell that we haven't seen uh, for a few episodes now. Jolting Surge Electricity courses through your body. And I've, I rolled a pretty sweet average here of 12 points of electricity damage. But now he is right within range of you. And Mima Hook says, We are unarmed, but we still have means of defending ourselves. <clears throat> It sounded like you were going to say something. I, 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 I had a comeback and then I immediately lost it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, um. Yeah, no, I, 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 had, I, I had it in my head. And then as soon as I went to like open my mouth, it was gone. We'll get it turn two. At uh, the top of turn two, Talara, we're back to you. This thing is right on top of you now. Yeah, I'm going to guarded step back mm-hmm. and roll my eyes at Kaz and cast Dancing Lights. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I swear if this is like what makes him roll the 20s is having <laughs> adequate lighting. Um, so I'm going to put one in each corner of this little cave. Doing so, uh, you, you hopefully will be able to cast this, but it does get an attack of opportunity, uh, which I'm going to take. And it is a spellcaster, so it's, it's not great. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, let me roll that d20 though and see what happens. Oh no. oh, no. Super oh, hurt. No. Super hurt. I've rolled the 19 on the dice. It is not a ton of damage, but it is enough to break your concentration. And it does, uh, ooh, seven points of damage. Bludgeoning damage. Knocking the spell out your mind. And the taste out your mouth. <laughs> All right, so the spell does not occur then, right? It does not. I tried, Gaz. okay uh kaz we are back to you uh it maybe like lit up for like a brief second here but now it's back to darkness what would you like to do well my my phone's still out so i want to move down right to the left of the monster Mm -hmm. where you saw it escape before it is is busy beating up talara so it doesn't notice you squeeze in behind it entropic strike that is a 22 to hit Ooh, that's a hit. For nine points of damage. Oh, that's so much more damage at level three. <laughs> no, I don't like it. Uh, next in the turn order, we're back topside with Win. All right. I, I have a question about my uh, carbon steeled curved blade, the inevitable downfall. Um, oh, yeah. It's a dispelling curved blade. What what does that entail? Um, it is a that is a magical fusion that can dispel magical items or spells that are indeed uh, cast upon someone. So if if for example someone was under the influence of something like these people, if I if I whacked him with the sword, would that potentially break whatever <laughs> juju is on them? If you roll a 20, because <laughs> I believe it is a critical effect. Oh, <laughs> oh darn. I believe. Uh, um, that's something you can, you can look up, but I'm pretty sure that. Yeah, I, could, I, I, I could only find the stuff for curved blade. I couldn't find anything for this specific sword. Oh, yeah. No, this is this sword is just for this fun AP we're playing. Uh, all right. So uh, Wynn is going to use his sword now that um, old, old boy is up, up in his grill and gonna whack at him for uh, 23 to hit. Yeah, these are two spellcasters you guys are going up against, so very much a hit. 
Uh, that is nine points of damage. And are you indeed doing it non-lethal? Yeah, he he just jolted me, and mm. and so that kind of has set winds fury <laughs> up a little bit. So a no, you're just slashing him. So right half. right right now he's 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 slashing because I mean he's being attacked. It's not yeah. like you know he's he's being attacked by a a, a harmless hobgar. This dude just cast a major spell on him. Ooh, you know. Yeah. Uh, he is definitely not a harmless hobgar. Um, yeah, so that is a hit and nine points of damage. Yes, and then Wim will take a guarded step to the east. All right, trying to move away from him. Uh, Bumfuzzle, back to you down below. All right, yeah. This time I'm going to do a similar thing. I'm going to run around the back of Talara and come up around on this guy. And uh, this time I'm going to reach down into a pocket and pull out my... Uh, a bottle that just says plant XXX. <laughs> oh, oh no, it's a cartoon plant killer. <laughs> right. Cartoon plant poison. I mixed it up myself in my engineering lab. <laughs> That's where the thing is made, right? Yes. Uh, 36 Ooh. on the check. Ooh. Very, very uh, poisonous to plants. Go ahead. All right. That is and, a trick to plant. Yeah, and I, I put it I put it on my blade and then I chop it and then let's see plus flanking yeah uh ooh, that's a 15 including flanking including uh flat-footed uh oh that's sorry sorry no including flanking it's it's against K- flat-footed kac uh, it's flat-footed kac that's just a hit ooh. yes ooh, all right yeah. uh low damage four points of damage on that all right, but every little bit is going to get you closer to the goal. Next, it is its turn, and it is surrounded by a couple of dudes that didn't like taking those attacks opportunity last time, but has so many fun spells. I want to do his fun spells, guys. Uh, so make make some attacks of opportunity as it climbs up to the ceiling of this cavern. kind of no. reaches its roots oh, up no. and is now going to be about 10 feet above your heads. All right. Ooh! Excellent. Excellent. Natural one from uh, Drew. Uh, that's a 15, but I don't think it's still flat-footed. Uh, it is not flat-footed, but does that include flanking? Uh, it does. It does. Yeah. Ooh, no, that's a miss. Two misses and Drew, Drew, Drew. Natural one on the dice. That is a, a critical fumble. Do you want the deck or our fan-submitted crit bums? Give me the fan. Yeah, they're going to save you now, right? <laughs> Every once in a while, there's like a completely uh, non-crit uh, effect that comes up. Uh, crit fail. And then there's some that are super bad. Let's see what let's see what's happening this time. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, this has no effect on either party, but it is submitted by JJJ. So. Oh, no. Uh, this one's called White Elephant. It's hilarious. Uh, you and your target have somehow exchanged your wielded weapons. Awkward. <laughs> uh, so I'm not going to count your your comm unit, your phone, as a weapon. Uh, it cannot take your fists, and you cannot take its fines. So no effect. Uh, it is ah! climbed up, though, outside of your guys' easy reach uh, above you. And it's gonna, it's gonna make a, it's gonna make a with the spells. You know how it does. Make it with the spells. Uh, you see, kind of mystic energy glowing around the vines, the plants, kind of lighting up, and uh, a huge force blast rips through the cavern, 
tavern here, potentially knocking you guys on your butts. Everyone um, in the cave gets to make a reflex save. Reflex for half. Oh, <laughs> natural dude. Uh, Talara? Uh, 24. Oh, nice. Uh, save and uh, Bumfuzzle, what do you get? Right in between. I got a 16. Ooh, that is a fail. We're still at 17 yeah. here. So full damage, six points of damage to Kaz and Bumfuzzle. Three to Talara. And this this is another spell we haven't had before is a evocation force blast. Uh, it's got a range of 30 feet that kind of spreads out from the creature. And um, so you, you take a little bit of force damage and the, the force from the spell will attempt to bull rush everyone in the room. Um, that has failed, I believe. So let me let me do that. This guy is really, it's not got the greatest. Uh, so the bull rush, oh, nope, it's, it's bull rushed you. I'm pretty sure. Uh, 19 on the dice. I've rolled like three 19s so far. Um, actually, it is against your KS, KAC plus eight. So what is that for the three of you? Including me, even though I saved? Um, I believe, yes. Let me see. Uh, it's a single, uh, a single combat maneuver using the caster level and key ability score as your attack bonus. And compared to each target's KAC. Mm-hmm. Uh, damage not- uh, no, well, it says unless it uh, succeeds at a reflex saving throw for half damage. So I'm not sure if you have to or not. Um, but uh, Kaz and Bumfuzzle, at the very least, what's your guys' KAC plus eight? Uh, d- does this count that the damage has happened prior to the bull rush effect? Um, yeah, if you if you got uh, entropic points. I do, so that makes it 26. Mm-hmm. Bumfuzzle? Uh, also 26. And that is just, I think, enough not to get blasted back. Oh. <laughs> let me, me double-check this uh, uh, caster level and key ability modifier. Oh, nope, key ability modifier is five. You guys are knocked backwards. Yeah. <laughs> away from it, about five, ten feet there. So that is its turn, though, which means we're back to Nikithi, a topside. Oh, balonies. Your friend Jellic, right in front of you. Yeah, well, so Jellic tried to take a pretty pathetic swing at Idis, and so you know, I'm going to interpret that as Jellic is trying to fight back uh, this thing's influence, and so we're going to leave him alone and uh, try to go to Wind's aid to knock out what seems to be the ringleader. So mm-hmm. Idis is going to... You're going to be able to get... Uh, the blind lady can take attack of opportunity if she wishes as Idis runs around Jellic and tries yeah, to they're... get him behind the uh, Tide Weaver. They're not really trained with with uh, with fighting, so they're, they're not taking attacks. Uh, I didn't think so. And they can't and, see you. Anyway, so Idis is going to try and make another attack. Uh, I'm going to keep it non-lethal. On on Mimahook? Uh, on the, yes, on Sir Tideweaver. All right, go right ahead. Minus four to this, whatever it comes up as. I've rolled a 17, so the minus four is going to be an eight. <laughs> That's a hit. <laughs> so six points of non-lethal damage. Please tell me he's unconscious. He is not, but <laughs> yeah, you, you guys are hitting him every time because he's wearing like a robe. Of robe, know? yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah um, of cotton. <laughs> um, Take that, anything, anything for Nikithi? She, he's got this, this woman right on top of him. Uh, he's going to run past. Uh, he's going to try to get in some better position. So he's going to run past. Uh, the woman angelic uh, back behind his drone 
Idis directly behind her. Okay. He's trying, and to, is, he's trying to keep a house to his back, so he's not going to get snuck up behind. Right. Well, on your front side, the woman uh, follows in pursuit and, and tries to push you into the house. Oh, don't push me into the house. And 17 on the dice. That is that is enough for a single point of, of non-lethal. Um, and Jellic's going to do the same thing to Idis. Push him around and roll the natural toot again. Yes. Keep fighting, Jellic. Keep fighting. <laughs> it does seem like Jellic's trying to shake the thing off of his <laughs> neck. But yeah, then Mimahook sees, sees you attacking his friends and it's going to move right over to our Sharon friend, Nikithi. Oh, no, no, Nikithi didn't do anything. You're going the wrong way. No, he's going the right way. I think he's going the right <laughs> oh, way. Go towards win. Um, and he's going to do the same thing. He's going to try and grasp you in his, his callow arms and shock you to the core. And I've rolled a 12 on the dice, which I believe is a hit. Yes, it is. Against EAC. 46. This will, this will hurt quite a lot. Well, same as last time. 12 points of damage. So, Ow! Where are those four sixes when I need them? Um, remember that one time I crit with the spell and it was the best thing ever? <laughs> the history of the podcast. Um, that is <laughs> that is turn two. Turn three, we're back to you, Talara. This thing is above you now, about uh, 15 feet above your head. What would you like to do? Yeah, I'm going to uh, use my laser pistol against it. Okay. We're going to take out and take a shot. Ooh, whipping out the pistol. Oh, no. That's a natural one. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Third of the episode. Yes. Keeping it real in this podcast. <laughs> Cosmic crit fails. Name of the podcast. Uh, same thing, Rebecca. You want that? You want that fan made um, <laughs> deck or do you want Piazzo's official? This is a mistake, but I'm going to go with Paizo's official deck. Oh, we'll see if this is. We'll see after I shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Um, this is an energy attack, and it's called Whoops. Reroll the attack against your closest ally. <laughs> oh. Oh. That Bomb fuzzle, no. Oh. Bomb fuzzle, right. no. At least it's just a laser pistol. Yeah. <laughs> this is for me. too bad. Oh, um, great. I yeah. do really well. So that's uh, four damage. A hit. <laughs> that's a, a hit. hit. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'll count that under your damage numbers. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> is, I guess it is damage. So it is it's, it's damage indeed. Um, Talara, that is your turn. You... I don't know if you you trip on a rock or something and the the shot goes wide, but uh, that is your turn bringing us back to Kaz. So Kaz is going to, can I pull out a weapon as I take a guarded step? Oh my goodness. Do you have weapons now? (laughs) I do. Yes. Uh, Yes. Yes. You can, you can move and and pull out a weapon. All right. I'm going to take a guarded step to pull out uh, the pistol that Nikithi gave me several, uh, several (laughs) games ago. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, and I'm gonna shoot this this sucker because he's on the the ceiling still, dancing on the ceiling like a fool. <laughs> Go right ahead. It's a nine. Good prank. Prank. Th- a three on the dice is gonna be a miss. Okay, uh, we are back topside with Win and Mima Hook has moved a little, a bit away from you, a little bit outside of range. What do you want to do? So Win is gonna follow suit. Mm-hmm. Move, move up on this guy. Yeah, and attack again with his sword. Okay. That's a 23 Ooh. to hit. <laughs> yeah, it is. For nine points of damage. 
Okay, and yeah, not looking very good now. You've you've uh, stabbed <laughs> with the dreaded and slashed that Mima hook a few times, and they are almost on one knee, just like barely holding on to like these massive bleeding wounds in their side, and they're like, "We must not fail it. We must not." And um, just yells, "Surrender!" <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, back down below. The fight is getting hot. Bumfuzzle, you've been shot by a laser pistol. You don't know from where. You don't know if that was necessarily Talara. I know good well. I got dark vision of 60 feet. Does the thing, the plant also have the ability? Did it mind control Talara into shooting you? We'll never know. Maybe um, so. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to uh, also take a step back here mm-hmm. and I'm going to set my, I'm going to crank up my laser pistol to uh, ignite mode oh, and my, my super battery that I have to to <laughs> do the extra super burn plant damage uh, bad job it's a 20 <laughs> this is what happens when you don't uh, go super weird and creative with your engineering I know, I know. <laughs> uh, 20 is not going to do it no extra damage oh boy it's getting All dangerous right, here we go extra damage oh boy there it is there's our crit uh, for the episode <laughs> oh no yeah it's it's such a shame though because yeah, like it's so like, much extra damage well like, it, it's it's a uh, uh 20 on the dice you get uh you get so much more damage if you get off that, that engineering <laughs> check but a quick shout out to mm-hmm. um willem dm on our patreon who's supporting us uh he says a shout out to my starfinder crew in russellville arkansas we're big fans of the podcast um around the table are jared killian scott marianne uh, jasper and glenn it sounds it sounds like uh, uh a pretty fun crew there thank you william for supporting us and jabert what is that damage on this crit uh, it's going to be six points of damage, and I'm going to roll you up some burn here in just a moment as soon as I find my dice. Right. Uh, oh, one point of burn. Wait, isn't the critical effect rolled in your crit? No. just uh, Right. It's it's an extra 1d4 of burn. Gotcha. That happens at the end of its turn, yeah. which is right now. This creature's going to go. I didn't think I was going to get around three, but let's see, let's see what it has. It's already used some pretty powerful spells. Hills. I think we're going with a an oldie but a goldie, and it seems like the good person to do it on because the the plant is very confused itself in why Talara would shoot its ally. But uh, Talara, can you make me a will save? Oh no! Oh, that's my worst save. Oh yes. Uh, that's an eleven. Oh yes. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, this is indeed the spell confusion lesser. Um, so on your turn, you don't know what's happening around you. Everything gets foggy and goblins look like giant plant monsters, maybe. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Uh, Nikithi, we're back to you, topside. Oh, boy. He's looking looking really ragged here, um, Mima Hook. Okay. Uh, I just will indeed take a single non-lethal swipe at this guy. All right, I just, you've got this. Come on. Oh no, natural 20. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! No! 
What are you guys doing? <laughs> no, it's like the kiss. It's like the poor kiss soldier all over. Well, you declared you declared it uh, non-lethal beforehand, so we should be okay, right? Yes, uh, Idis is non-lethally breaking every uh, hollow bone in this guy's body, <laughs> and two hit points left, and you're like uh, ragdolling this person. <laughs> Uh, another quick shout out to a Patreon fan very quickly. Um, uh, another one from our friend Chupra uh, Akata uh, and AKA from the dog May May, who's a fan of the podcast as well. Uh, May May reminds everyone to get up from the table and stretch. Self-care is important. Thank you, oh. May May. Thanks, May May. Self-care is important. Drink water, stretch. I think we've gotten a couple of these. Uh, well, th- this 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 Kayla won't be able to stretch <laughs> its, its massive broken bone situation. But yep. he's 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 okay, right? He's still breathing. It'll he's be unconscious. Out in traction as we uh, okay. You okay. did minimum damage on the crit, so you got that going. I for know. You. I feel like that's at least keeping in theme. I mean, I yeah. rolled- by the way, your, your minimum was a twelve on that crit. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, welcome uh, to, I just, I just welcome to level one, three. Yeah, <laughs> I just is at one d six plus five at this point. Um, the two figures around him kind of look confused themselves, and are are shaking their their heads i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna pretend that they're confused as well and roll a couple d100s for these two Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. what what a set of useless crits but very fun but very fun it's perfect yes um so jellic's over here babbling to himself it's like pale yellow flower pale yellow flower and uh the creepy woman of course i rolled a a 92 attacks the nearest creature which is none other than nikithi (laughs) where's my crit d20 (laughs) i rolled a four on the dice that's a miss and we are back Back to Talara, who similarly down below is confused. Do you want to roll me a D100, Rebecca? I don't want to, but I will. Do you want to be forced to roll D100, Rebecca? Uh, that's a one. Oh, <laughs> How did I manage to get a one on a 100? <laughs> uh, well, that's good news, actually, because that is act normally. Boo. Oh, good. Oh, awesome. No. That's, yeah, uh, I think it's awesome. I'm sure All right, you so- shoot cats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I am going to shoot my laser pistol up into the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to decide if I want to do it one time or two times. Ooh. The um. Eternal struggle. Yeah. Do you have anything? To I think knock I'll take two shots. Yeah. I'm gonna. What? Do you have anything to knock it off the ceiling? Any your spells? <laughs> Killing like it will knock it off. I don't think so. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm gonna take two shots. Okay. Whatever. Fish, I, fishing yeah. for a twenty yourself here. It worked before, so. Yeah. Oh boy. That's a 18? 18 is a hit. So, first awesome. one's a hit, and you score a pretty deep hit. It still seems to be up, but you, it's only hanging on by like a couple of vines now. All right, that does two damage. Yeah. Here's the yeah. second one. And that is not going to hit. That is yeah. like very lucky. Seven Six. on the dice, and that is going to miss. Seven. Um,. Kaz, we're on to you. You've got your pistol. You're, you're shining the light up there. See see if you can see this thing. What you want to do? Uh, we'll take two shots. Oh, good, this good. Is a, it's a dumb thing to do, but we'll do it. I don't think my multi-weapon fighting works for this, but... Uh... 
No, no. You guys are just lighting up the ceiling with, with shots. Just pew, pew, pew. That's a natural 20. Oof. You guys are too big. What's That'll happening? Do. What's Completely happening? turned around <laughs> your stupid, dumb look this episode. Uh, yeah, with that, bullets just rip through this thing. Uh, it falls to the ground dead. And it kind of screeches psychically as it falls. Another Patreon shout out <laughs> of the episode to uh, this one's going to go to to our, our good friend John, who's one of our, our Dragon Masters, uh, who hasn't written up a uh, a shout out, but I'm running out of them. So uh, thank you, John three zero zero four one, as well as our other soul bonded players. That is it. And as you kill this thing, as um, everyone topside just starts kind of shaking it off, shaking off um, the leaves kind of falling out of the back of their shirts and things. And you can see the, the fog lifting from their minds. Uh, there's a there's a pause and then the townsfolk just start talking and kind of like their regular voices and even Mima Hook down on the ground kind of comes to for a moment is like, what happened? Where am I? <laughs> Nikiti squats down and says, uh, you are in Delesco and uh, you have been, well, you've been out of it for quite some time. <laughs> you were a ghost. <laughs> I, I was pretty sure you were dead. I was, yes. I And he might even say it was like, uh, despite, I guess, all my best instincts, you seem to have survived quite an ordeal. Tyler, Tyler was really Babe Ruth in that one for undead. <laughs> uh, uh, Mima Hook says, I, I, I am finally free of it. You, you all were able to kill it. I can talk normally now and not in my weird syncopated talking style. Uh, yes, I am. I am glad you're back. And I am sure Jellic will be very happy that you are okay. Yeah, Jellic looks to be coming too as well. And, and everyone is looking up here into the town center. And Nikithi, when you see the petals of the, the, the flower slowly falling, making their way to the ground. Bumfuzzle, Kaz, Talara, you guys can crawl up out of the cave a little outside of town, make your way back in and see everyone coming back to normal. Uh, Tania, the the previous founder of the settlement, just kind of collapses. There are a few citizens there that rush to her side and everyone begins to provide medical care and, and reconcile with one another. And it's a few hours later that we find ourselves in the Delesco settlements kind of coming to a head, reconciling what has happened. Mima Hook still kind of shaking his head as you all kind of uh, meet one another for the first time around a, a table in one of the larger houses. And he says, I was the first one that took that thing and, and, and brought it back to town. I, I think I was swimming in the river just outside when I felt this pinch on my neck and I didn't know it, but... I was under its control and, and forced to do its bidding, and slowly but surely, I, I'm sad to say I infected more and more of the townsfolk. There there was some fighting, but eventually everyone was taken, and it made us dig out its subterranean lair, and it was content for a while to torture us down there, but recently made us t- upside to try and lure more people into the camp. You should not blame yourself. Plants, creatures such as that, I think, are exceedingly rare. You are very lucky that it kept you alive for this long. Oh, I mean, we were no better than slaves, but you all freed us, and we cannot thank you enough, wanderers. Jellic, we thank you for bringing these five heroes here to emancipate us, and the Lesko settlement is in your debt. 
Captain Wynn, there's little we can do to aid you, but whatever you need, you can count on us. As you have said, you have helped Madelon's landing. We have very little but our stockpile of unused UPBs, and they are yours. They bring out chests full of UPBs, the base materials for crafting whatever you all need. Ooh. Awesome. There's a there's a quiet as you guys can look over that stuff, and all of a sudden uh, a comm unit sparks to life, and Jellic flinches kind of instinctively, and it's like, oh, 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 that's my that's mine. Uh, he answers the the call and says, "Yellow." There's a a few exchanges, some brief words before he hangs up and says, "Win." Uh, and, and the rest of you, you, you won't believe it. We just had an incoming message back at Madelon's Landing, all the way from the Pact. And it, it was about Sedona. What, what news? Well, the message said to be continued. No. <laughs> that was the entire message. <laughs> the message was a red herring. No, wait, wait for the message for next week when we continue on our journey. <laughs> hey, everybody. Hey, Patrick. Hey. How We're many not- how many UPBs you got in that chest there? 2,000. Who do you? Oh boy. Oh. each. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. But, well, it's a little side quest time. You guys were morbidly curious about what happened to Delesco Settlement. We had to figure it out here on the podcast. Hey. Not in the AP. Made this one up myself with, uh, with a little help. Uh, I want to thank one of our winners of the Mayhem, the Monster Mayhem Challenge, uh, uh, Akav Akaku. Uh, who submitted a beast named Spores of uh, Thoa, I believe. Spores oh. of mm-hmm. That's awesome. Spores of Thora. Yeah. Was, Thank really you. Cool. Thank you. It was very cool. This was, I was when, uh, I remember when Patrick first mentioned the Delesco and I was, I just wanted to go there immediately. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I might've given a bit of flavor for this monster. And uh, I always had an idea like Delesco settlement was maybe taken by some external force. But when I saw the entry, I was like, oh, that's going to fit well. A magic plant monster. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, so is think, the flower in the AP or that that was you too? The flowers in the AP mentioned it's like the Delesco settlement has a very small um, uh, summary about what happened there. But just one of those like plot things that's like, maybe you just make up what happens at Delesco. And I did. And, yeah, it was cool. Uh, I, I liked right it. There. Feel free to steal this encounter. We're, we're going to try and get all the monsters that we, we picked as winners out and the stats out on our, our discord and what have you. Uh, but yeah, thank you to everyone that submitted. That was very, uh, I mean, it's always fun <laughs> doing these yeah. challenges, but um, you might see some more of your creation show up on the podcast in the near future, but I'm not saying anything. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm going to make a note to apologize to Jellic next, next time we play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why'd you punch me? Um, we're, we've gone long this episode as well. So let's just, let's just end it here, guys. Thanks so much for playing with me. Thank, thank, thank you. you. And signing off, uh, say, we'll see you next week, Crittermanders. See you next week. week. Bye-bye.